welcome to our Simmons and Simmons podcast about data transfers 3.0. Recent EU case law, in particular Schrems 2, and related regulatory guidance from the European Data Protection Board has led to an increased focus on the governance of data and flows of data across borders. The rules of the game have changed. Let us give you a quick overview how they have changed and what actions you need to take. May, let me start with a question to Sascha Kuhn, partner in our Düsseldorf office. To start with, what changed the rules of the game? Why are we having this conversation, Sascha? Uh, yeah, thank you for this question. Uh, the, the answer to it, it's, it's twofold. Um, it's on the one hand, the European Court of Justice, and on the other hand, it's an Austrian individual a data protection activist, Mr. Schrems. Um, many of you will remember in 2015, Mr. Schrems, um, he was arguing against um, Facebook's right to transfer data to the United States on the basis of the Safe Harbor program. Um, th this matter was brought to the attention of the European Court of Justice. The European Court of Justice found that Safe Harbor was void because US authorities had um, basically unfettered access to European personal data. Um, and that was a game changer back in 2015. Now, the immediate reaction to this decision back then was that many companies simply based their data transfers on standard contractual clauses. Um, Mr. Schrems again looked at the situation, wasn't happy with it, brought it to the attention of the authorities in Ireland. Um, which did not help him. Um, the matter went to the European Court of Justice and the court came to its decision in the summer of last year, basically pointing out two things and two important takeaways. The first point is that the Privacy Shield program, which was basically the replacement for Safe Harbor, is void. Uh, and the reason for this is very similar to the reason given in 2015, namely that US authorities under US laws have very large access rights when it comes to the personal data of European citizens. That's the first point. So privacy shield was down. The second point um, that the court gave a statement on were standard contractual clauses. And the court basically said that yes, standard contractual clauses are a way to ensure the legality of data transfers from countries within the European Union to countries outside, but they cannot always be used because it must be ensured that indeed at the place of the recipient, an adequate level of data protection is guaranteed and that indeed the, um, the data that is transferred on this basis is kept safe from unfettered access by, for example, public authorities in those recipient countries. And what were the reactions of national data protection authorities after the ruling? Well, in, in the first days, very big question marks. Um, to, to, to some, it was a surprise that the European Court of Justice came to this conclusion. Um, we, we have seen statements by some data protection authorities here in Germany, for example, there were some authorities which gave very short statements basically saying that as a matter of principle data transfers to the US no longer worked. Um, there was 
a somewhat longer statement, for example, by the Data Protection Authority of Baden-Württemberg, saying that, yes, as a matter of principle, standard contractual clauses continue to work, as set out by the European Court of Justice. But when looking at the situation in the receiving jurisdiction, one would have to think about implementing additional security measures, uh, such as encryption or the anonymization of data. Let's look at um, guidance that exists um, so far um, on this topic. Lawrence, um, I'm talking to Lawrence Brown now, partner in our London office. Um, what do organizations need to do to address these implications of FRAMS2? There has been some guidance by the European Data Protection Bureau, hasn't it? Yes, you're quite right, Annette. So the European Data Protection Board is a pan-EU body which includes representatives from all EU member states regulators and is responsible, among other things, for issuing guidance on legal developments. They've issued a consultation on some guidance following SHREMS 2. We can only speculate when this guidance will become final, but the consultation closed at the end of last year on the 21st of December. So what does it mean for organisations? Well, essentially, uh, organisations need to run through a number of steps, and, and I'll give a very brief summary initially of those. So the first is to carry out a data transfer mapping exercise, which is to know your transfers, know where data is, is being shared with. The second is to establish the legal basis or legal mechanism which you're relying on to carry out those transfers. Then we get to the more legally complicated aspects of carrying out a risk assessment, uh, which must be documented, of the law and practices in the importing country to assess whether they will diminish the protection afforded to the data under the relevant transfer mechanism used. Then, depending on the outcome of that risk assessment, there may be a need to adopt and document supplementary measures, uh, which we'll consider in more detail in a moment. Now, if it, supplementary measures aren't available or can't address the shortfall, it may be necessary to suspend or stop the transfer. Lastly, but not least, it will be necessary for organisations to periodically reconduct the assessment, which I've just described. So that was a very good overview. Thank you very much, Lawrence. So um, a question to both of you uh, from two different angles um, that would always be interesting to hear. What do you think is the most important um, takeaway for clients? What do they have to take action on now? Sasha, would you to, like to start? Yeah, sure, to, 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 to start with. Um, the, the data mapping. Uh, I mean, in, in all honesty, um, that is something that organizations should no longer have to do because as a matter of theory, um, it's information which can easily be drawn from the ROPA, the Register of Processing Activities. I know that in many organizations, the ROPA does not always contain um, the full information which is required in this regard. But that's really the first step from my perspective to have a very clear understanding of the instances in which an organization is transferring data 
to a country outside of the EU, keeping in mind those cases in which there is a mere data access from um, organizations or persons outside of the EU that would be covered by the concept of data transfer. Lawrence, what's your view? Yeah, I, th I think your point was was a great one, Sasha. The thing I would add is just to recognise that the risk assessment exercise, which I described in outline, is a complicated one. It requires a an analysis, a comparison of aspects of EU law with aspects of local law, which is is not at all straightforward. And it's an exercise we've done for clients. We'd be delighted to to help out clients on this. Um, the, the other thing I'd say is that when we come to supplementary measures, this isn't just a legal exercise. It's very much a collaborative exercise of working together between legal compliance teams and technical teams as well to work out what, if anything, can be done to make the transfers of data safe. That's what I would add. Thank you both for these um, key takeaways. Um, let's finish with one um, short but important question. Is there anything like a grace period? Do we have to act now? There, there is no grace period. Um, we were talking about TREMS 1 a few minutes ago. Back then, indeed, authorities accepted a two-month grace period. Um, there is no official communication on a grace period now, um, so companies need to get things going now. So without further ado, let's get everybody um, back to work so they can take the necessary actions. Thank you both, both uh, Sasha and Lawrence for these valuable insights and um, we hope to hear from you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.